Have we lost our soccer minds in America? I am Dave Denholm. This is Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710, brought to you by Puente Hills Toyota at PuenteHillsToyota.com. Get your new 2017 Toyota Camry LE at Puente Hills Toyota. Check them out today. Have we lost our soccer minds in this country, in the United States of America, with our U.S. men's national team? Alexi Lalas, commentator, former L.A. Galaxy general manager, as you know. He works over at uh, Fox Sports. I happen to like Alexi. I've only seen him a few times. He's up in the big shots area, you know, where I'm down in the, with the low, low men on the totem pole over there. Good dude. Liked him when he was the general manager of the Galaxy. He wasn't a good general manager, frankly. But he had some comments about the U.S. national team during an MLS broadcast, which uh, was over the weekend out of Fox Sports. The uh, Galaxy game, in fact. Remember the game with uh, Seattle, in which we drew. And among those comments, listen to this. Among the comments that Alexi Lala said, he called some of the U.S. men's national team players soft, underperforming, tattooed millionaires and said that this, this generation was essentially about to squander everything in terms of the challenges they faced in qualifying. They've been bad. At times, they've been really bad. And they're in peril. They're not going to not qualify. I still believe they're going to qualify. But they are in peril. So Lalas went on and blasted the U.S. men's national team. He didn't leave really too many people behind. He, He called out people by name, in fact. Although he didn't use Christian Pulisic's name, he called him Wonder Boy. We can all assume that's who he meant. (laughs) Who else would he be talking about on that team, the way they've been playing? Have we lost our soccer minds for this reason, Alexi? What did he say that was exactly wrong? Everybody freaked out. He was right. Not only that, he's been saying things or he said things that I've been saying for years. And somehow everybody's in shock. And it speaks to a bigger issue. Forget that he called them soft, underperforming, tattooed millionaires. They are. Have you seen the ink on these guys? Did you see how soft and underperforming they've been lately? It's true. And they could squander everything. What did he say that was wrong? And who he is paid to say those things. That's what we do in broadcasting. It's why I do this show. It's why you listen, and you're listening in droves, in huge numbers, and it's why you're starting to follow the podcast over on iTunes. Just Google Soccer Weekly or iTunes search Soccer Weekly. Make sure it's mine and not some other show. We got the great crest. Subscribe, rate, review, whatever the three things they tell you to do over at iTunes. And it's growing by leaps and bounds. There's a reason you want to listen to somebody like me or someone like Alexi Lawless tell you the truth. And it's what I do here. What I'm most amazed by Alalis' comments are that it made even headlines. Oh, everybody's shocked. That's the story. It speaks to a larger issue. Everybody's in shock. And yet, I've been telling you this for years, we have to change that attitude. The shocked nature of, oh boy, he called people out. So what? Here's a tip from your Uncle Dave. Bruce Arena is not a genius. (gasps) I'm not going to go to hell for saying that. Bruce Arena 
is not a genius. He has a lot of flaws as a manager. Oh, my goodness, Dave. Michael Bradley is a very nice player. Michael Bradley is not good defensively. (gasps) Josie Altidore, when he's on, oh, yeah, look out. He's the kind of guy that can carry you in a a World Cup-type tournament, the four, five, six games, because he can get hot. When he's not, Josie's very average at best. Oh, no. Clint Dempsey, love him. Great career. Guess what? Clint has his off games and then some. Christian Pulisic, the wonder boy, as Alexi Lalas referred to him. He can come in and out of games just like anybody else. Why are we in shock over this? I've been saying this stuff for a long time. We have to change our attitude. That's the real story coming out of Alexi Lalas' comments. And then he even had to, like, not apologize, but he had to, like, talk about it. Oh, you know, this is why. Are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. State your opinions, back them up, live with them, and try to convince others. I'm trying to convince you to change your collective soccer attitude about America. It has to stop. And before you get all, oh, how can you criticize the young one, Christian Pulisic, he's only 18. Does he cash his checks when he, that he gets from playing with the U.S. men's national team, does he take that check to a bank or does he have direct deposit and then does he spend the money he makes? Well, then he deserves criticism. I don't care if he's 17, 77, or 7. If he's getting paid to represent the United States and put that jersey on, I'm going to criticize him if he doesn't play up to standard. doesn't matter how old he is. If you're old enough to be good enough to play, you're old enough, which means you're old enough to take the heat. He's a professional. It all comes back to our attitude in the United States. It's a bigger issue than just struggling in this World Cup qualifying or even Lallis saying a few things. That's why I keep talking about this stuff. We have to change what we believe about the United States in soccer. You know what? We can win, and we should be, and we should be demanding more. I got into a beef on Twitter earlier today as we're doing this a special Thursday edition. Thank you so much for... Joining us here, we had the Angels baseball here on ESPN LA 710 yesterday. I got into a Twitter beef with the great Tony Miola earlier, and it wasn't that long. We just kind of went back and forth a little bit. I love Tony. I worked with him over at Fox. He is the salt of the earth. Good dude. But we just don't happen to see eye to eye on a few things. That's fine. And we got went back and forth a little bit. He was talking mostly about just getting through qualifying, and he isn't wrong completely about that in terms of you got to scrape and claw. You don't have to look pretty. Just get the job done, essentially. And I don't disagree with that, but my thought is let's pull back from that and not look at it to where we're at now. Let's look at the bigger U.S. picture. We need to start playing games with a chip on our shoulder like we're going to come out and take it to you, not back off of teams and hope we get a draw in Honduras. And everybody's so giddy about some great result. Let's take it to people. But Denholm, we're not good enough. How do you get better? How do you improve? You push yourself. And we are not pushing ourselves in America. And I'll tell you what. Alexi Lawless and all the other guys I work with at Fox and all the dudes here at ESPN that are fantastic, it's your fault too. Don't just call out Michael Bradley once. Or Josie Altidore. We, Altidore, we got to get tougher as a media, as the sports media, as a soccer media, because you deserve better. 
as U.S. men's national team fans. You think Mexican fans are worried about being too hard on their manager? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You think Costa Rican fans care? Why do you think Jorge Luis Pinto came out before the World Cup last time and said, yes, we can win? He was coaching a Costa Rican time. Now he's coaching Honduras. He's a good coach, but he also believes it. Why don't we? Well, Denholm, we have evidence to the contrary. We don't win. We get out of our group almost every World Cup now. It's a shock when the U.S. does not get out of their group, right? Right? That's right. We're shocked if we don't get out of our group in the World Cup. And we've been put in groups of death. And I use the air quotes, which is a bad radio bit, right? We've been put in groups of death before and gotten out. Now, granted, we can fail, too. There's a lot of teams. Guess who didn't get out of their group last time? England. It happens. But we demand and expect to get out of our group, right? Pretty much every time. Whether we really put those expectations on the team or not, that's what's been happening. Now, if you can make the final 16 of the World Cup out of anybody in the world that plays this game, some 207 nations or whatever it is, if you can make the final 16, I got a news for you. This isn't rocket science. We can win. If you can get out of your World Cup in the group or get out of the group in the World Cup, you can win. So let's start demanding it. Not hoping, not praying, not like, oh, well, 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 we lost. Oh, boy, tough break. And don't rely on the non-soccer fans to help us with this, these, these people who claim to be soccer fans and occasionally keep one eye on the U.S. men's national team, and then it's all I can do to not throw up when they try to approach me and talk soccer. As if they know anything. I'm talking about us. The soccer faithful in America. We should be demanding better because we deserve better. And shame on us if we don't. So have we all lost our soccer minds worrying about Alexi Lalas half-heartedly roasting a couple of guys and then, you know, not ha- you know hoping to have to not have to backpedal from it? Come on. Toughen up. Toughen up, Clint Dempsey. Toughen up, Michael Bradley. And toughen up, Bruce Arena. And I'll do the same. I am demanding more from the U.S. men's national team all the way around. And you should as well. I cannot wait to talk to our guests coming up here. It's Galaxy Legend time once again. We are just knocking it out of the ballpark. And I say we, it's actually Mario Reese, my fearless producer. I act like I'm doing something about this, but I get to talk to him, which is fantastic. Coming up, Galaxy goalkeeping legend Kevin Hartman going to join me right here on Soccer Weekly. Brought to you by Puente Hills Toyota. Check it out. Get your new 2017 Toyota Camrielli at Puente Hills Toyota, PuenteHillsToyota.com. I'm Dave Denholm. You are listening to Soccer Weekly here on the home of world football in Southern California. It's ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710, your home for world football here in Southern California. I'm Dave Denholm hanging out with you on a special Thursday edition of Soccer Weekly. And we are pleased and proud to be joined by a Galaxy legend, former goalkeeper Kevin Hartman, who's now the director of L.A. Galaxy's Girls Academy. Kevin, thanks so much for taking the time. Kevin, how's the build going with the academy? Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and talk about uh, talk about the beautiful game. So um, in regards to the Girls Academy, everything's up and running. We've uh, we played for two weeks, you know, just continuing to evolve a lot of the processes, working with the parents and, um, you know, just, just having a great time and enjoying – being out on the field and having the opportunity to work with these young athletes. Kevin, why did you take this job? 
you know, this is this is a great opportunity for me because uh, I honestly had been down in Florida working at IMG Academy for three years. I'd worked on the boys and the girls side um, after wrapping up my playing career in, at New York Red Bull. And uh, when when LA contacted me, I, I obviously uh, had played here for a decade um, and wanted to get back with the organization. But I also really enjoyed working on the girls side. Um, extremely coachable. Great young athletes willing to, willing to run through a wall for you. And uh, to have a clean slate where I could kind of develop uh, a curriculum and develop the environment in the manner that I wanted to uh, was just too good to pass up. And what does that curriculum look like, if you could explain it to the uh, the, the soccer fan layman? Uh, you know, I mean, so our curriculum is going to be based on, uh, on five different pillars. The five pillars would be the technical side of the game. Uh, which includes anything from, you know, passing, dribbling, shielding the ball, uh, heading, et cetera. Um, and then it goes into the tactical. So you're talking about the phase of the game when you have the ball, when you don't have the ball, uh, and when you're in transition. So uh, from that, you build out the physical side, and we're fortunate to have a great sports science department here uh, at the Los Angeles Galaxy. Uh, beyond that, you have the mental side of the game, and, and, and we'll kind of go, we'll give all the players kind of a, a mental toolbox from framing the game. Uh, and framing situations to mental toughness, you know, creating, uh, you know, imagery so that you're able to not feel like this is the first time that you've been there once you're out there on the field. And then finally, for me, it's about a lifestyle. It's about a lifestyle that includes good sleep, uh, nutrition and hydration, uh, and, and all the other little uh, off-field type aspects of the match. And so what we try to do is recreate um, a path from the first portion of the year um, and, and that becomes kind of the, the, the foundational standpoint. And then you work through the central portion of the year, which is the core, and then you have a culmination towards the end of the year. And, and for me, uh, there's been a lot of work uh, in terms of sitting down and, and trying to work and develop this with the help of Matt Tutton and the coaches. Um, and, and, and for me, it's, it's really been exciting to think about not just one year, but how are we going to take our, our 2005s, our 2006s, and and progress them through the game so that they're helping to deepen the pool at the U.S. women's national team level. This is Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. I'm Dave Dunholm talking with Galaxy goalkeeping legend Kevin Hartman. He's now the director of LA Galaxy's Girls Academy. Uh, Kevin, let me ask you about this in the sense of it didn't happen to you very often on the pitch, but when a team is struggling, now the Galaxy have had it a rough year, and again, your career, you didn't have many of those, but what's that like as a professional when it's just you, you just know it's not going to be your year. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think for me, um, especially as a goalkeeper, uh, you always kind of have to have a short memory, and 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 you go from one game to the next, and you know you kind of live and die by those results on the weekend. And so, uh, I would imagine for the for the guys within the locker room, there's um, it, it's difficult. You know, I mean, certainly being part of a, a, an organization that is is the champion five times. Uh, and, and being part of a group that right now is probably the least successful group of, of all time for the Los Angeles Galaxy, uh, I would imagine weighs on the player. But uh, we talked we talked about how on the uh, on the girls' side at the at the youth level, you're working on trying to create characters that are able to kind of persevere and deal with these things. Yeah. Um, and, and these are people that are getting paid to uh, paying good money to uh, to try to rectify things. And so uh, it's up to them to to really kind of get reestablished and I know Riggy, uh, excuse me, Siggy's really working um, hard to make sure that they don't, you know, be too bogged down and weighed down by, you know, the scenarios that, that lay ahead of them and the things that have happened to them in the past. But, uh, 
for me, it's a difficult thing to to have hit the reset button in the middle of the season for sure. What makes a, a truly you know great keeper like somebody that's just on that that next level? You know, for me, it's about you know I, I think you need to be consistent, but I think the next level becomes you know being able to come up with that save. Um, that that's going to be game changing. Yeah. You know, can you keep a team in a match? Uh, can you make a save that gets you a point? Can you make a save that gets you three points? And, and the other side of that, I think, is a recognition that you, it's not about you. Um, you're you're kind of the steward of the cause out there on the field. You become kind of a coach because you have uh, the ability to see everything on the field in front of you, and so. Uh, obviously your communication becomes important, your ability to kind of recognize situations early and, uh, and effectively communicate some, maybe some lessons and experiences that you've had on the, on the field in a concise manner so that people can react in a manner that, uh, that allows you to escape some pretty hairy situations is, is pivotal. We're talking with the director of LA Galaxy's Girls Academy, Academy and the former Galaxy goalkeeping legend Kevin Hartman here on Soccer Weekly. Kevin, I, this is an interesting thing. I don't know. I, I love the fact that you, uh, you've you taken this job and got hired. It was interesting news when I heard it. I feel like it seems like goalkeepers get pigeonholed in terms of the coaching realm. I don't know why that is necessarily, but on the highest levels, do you think that's the case? Um, yeah, I, I think if you, if you go down the path of being a, a goalkeeper coach or a goalkeeper trainer, I think it's pretty difficult to maybe get out of that yeah. niche. Um, so I'd agree with you. I also think that uh, – you know, just from kind of the body of work that you you're you're out there on the field, almost coaching your entire career. Um, I, I, I'm not sure that field players think that maybe sometimes you see the same the, the game the same way as they do. So, you know, opportunities might not uh, be given in that direction. But uh, you know, I, I do think that you know there's a ton of knowledge within the goalkeeping department. I know that you know <laughs> we have we have quite a few goalkeepers over here between U.S. Soccer and uh, in the LA Galaxy offices, so uh, we must be doing something right, and there must be an, enough intelligence that uh, somebody's willing to give us give us uh, work still. So that's good. Oh, by the way, Soccer Weekly uh, listener uh, Kevin Hartman, he had the mentality of a defensive midfielder. It felt like in that in the, that tough guy. Look, you you did have an attitude, Kevin. Let's be perfectly honest. You had a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. Where did that come from when you played? You know, I, I mean, I think a lot of the time, um, you know, for me, it was was trying to prove myself on that on that week to week occasion, and I wasn't going to let somebody kind of you know step over me to get an opportunity that I felt like I deserved. <laughs> yeah. um, during the week, I think, you know, you you put in you put in a ton of work, and then you know you're li- listening to the national anthem, and you're kind of taking stock of all the different things that maybe you've done that's going to help you be successful. And I always felt that that I dedicated a ton of time and that I hadn't taken any shortcuts and that I deserved to win. Um, and, and so I wasn't going to let somebody take that from me or from the guys that I worked with all week for sure. Well, one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you, of course, we want to catch up with the Galaxy legends here on Soccer Weekly, and you are certainly one of them. What was, what was your, I guess, best Galaxy moment for you, Kevin, in your career? You know, I had the opportunity to kind of talk a little bit about this the other day, and, you know, I, I, I think if the more retrospective that I get, I really just go back to moments about creating this league. You know, um, when I was growing up, we didn't necessarily have a league to follow. Everything was really kind of looking to Europe and looking, you know, south to Mexico and then into into South America. So um, for me, it was, you know, being drafted. It was, you know, the, the, 
the building of, of of StubHub Center and you know winning our first championship in 2002. And really to look back on it now and to you know I, I know that Alexi kind of went off on a bunch of the guys from the national team, but I, I think it's it's cool that we now have that we have some sense of history like. They can sit there and disparagingly say, "Well, this guy—I mean—hadn't done anything since 1994, or whatever the case may be." Yeah. And yeah. and you know the fact that we now have decades and decades of of uh, of a history, I think it really allows us to get a little bit more perspective about how far that we are sometimes behind some of these leagues, and how quickly that we've made it up. And then uh, the fact that we need to continue to still be a little bit patient because um, we did get a late jump on things. Now, you mentioned, of course, winning with the Galaxy, and you guys had a ton of success in your 10 years when you were with the Galaxy. Uh, I'll take it beyond just, ooh, yeah, we were great. Who was your favorite Galaxy teammate to play with? Um, you know, it's funny because it's going to sound like I'm brown nosing at this point, but I, I actually really enjoyed playing with Pete Bayanis, who's not currently the general manager <laughs> of the Galaxy. Um, you know, played in the defensive midfield. I always knew that if I gave him the ball, that he wasn't going to lose it. And for yeah. me, that was a massive asset. You know, it was one of those things, and people would talk about you play laterally or play backwards, but I always knew that if I gave him the ball, that he would treat it with the type of respect that I would that I would hope that he would he would uh, treat it with based on the fact that he was it was such a precarious thing to do is kind of knock it to this player with his back to goal all the time. So um, I, I think that that's probably the one that I would go with. Now, Kevin, I got a few years on you, but when I was growing up, it we frankly didn't see a lot of soccer. This was a long time, you know, and we didn't get to see much uh, around the world and all that. How did you develop that love in the sense of who was your favorite keeper when you were younger, kind of coming up? You know, fortunately for me, uh, there, the games that came on uh, when I was growing up, probably in the late 80s and early 90s, were, were Manchester United, and it just so happened that, you know, they, they had an unbelievable squad at that point, and, and Peter Schmeichel was the goalkeeper, and they called him the Great Dane, and uh, came from Denmark, played for their national team, but the things that he did for uh, Manchester United really, I think, not only helped shape the success that that club had, but also, you know, for me, was transformational. He was a handball goalkeeper, came up with some different techniques that, that really helped to evolve the position, and so he was somebody that I was always always watching, trying to emulate, and if you think about, uh, you know, some of his conversations with the players on the field, uh, came off maybe caustic on occasion, which, which might be uh, a little bit of where I got that bite. Now we know where you got the hair, too. Peter Schmeichel, <laughs> there you go. Kevin Hartman, Galaxy goalkeeping legend, and he's now the director of LA Galaxy Girls Academy. Kevin, thanks so much for taking the time here on Soccer Weekly. Anytime, man. Love talking to you guys. Thank we you. Appreciate it. Kevin Hartman, Galaxy goalkeeping legend. We roll on here on Soccer Weekly. We've got Champions League to talk about. Christian Pulisic again in action as Dortmund took on Tottenham. All that and a whole lot more. Soccer Weekly, Dave Denholm and you here on ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. Dave Denholm hanging out with you. You can hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. You can follow the show there. Keep the conversation rolling. Remember, this is a special Thursday edition here on the ESPN LA 710. Normally it's Wednesday evenings from 7 to 8 p.m. We had to move this week for the Angels. Uh, well, the Angels are battling in that wild card race. There's a bunch of battles going on in Major League Soccer for playoff positioning. Definitely want to touch on that. But Champions League got kicked off match day one, yesterday and Tuesday, of which I was uh, covering. And some interesting matches. Now, there were also some blowouts. But, boy, I must say, my first impression of Champions League match day one the Premier League side showed up. They showed up. 
Now, Liverpool got the draw with Sevilla. Sevilla grabbed that early goal on that Dejan Lovren mistake. Okay, Liverpool kind of had to come back from at home based on that early goal from Sevilla. And Sevilla is a strong team, make no mistake. But Liverpool got a draw, not the worst result. But the rest of those teams, holy cow. I mean, just fantastic football from Tottenham, Man City, and Manchester United specifically. Let's just go there. I mean, Tottenham looked just, well, they finished well. Borussia Dortmund took the game to Tottenham, especially early. It didn't matter. Tottenham hit him on the counterattack. And Mauricio Pochettino, Pochettino, the manager of Tottenham, was just brilliant in how he set that team up. Knowing that they needed to hit Borussia Dortmund on the counter, knowing Borussia Dortmund's weakness is the counterattack defensively. And yeah, okay, Tottenham could try to come out and grab possession, put Borussia Dortmund on their heels, and then Dortmund can hit them on the counter if they do that. So Pochettino played that one to perfection. It it certainly helped that Son Hung Min and Harry Kane finished their two breakaways in those first 15 minutes with a plum. I mean, they were just brilliant finishes, truly. And Roman Berkey did not have a good game in net for Borussia Dortmund. But look, that's a good win. 3-1 over Dortmund. Dortmund is certainly not two goals worse than Tottenham on any given day. Dortmund was taking it to him for a while. And Christian Pulisic had the defenders. I like the way he played. He had Tottenham on their heels often. And I love what Pulisic is developing into. If you watch him, here's something that we missed for so long in the United States, and we still do. It's a, it goes back to that attitude, this time on the pitch. Pulisic is not afraid to go right at people. It just creates so much danger. It puts the defense on their heels. They take their eyes off of the other teammates of Pulisic because they're buried into trying to stop him. It changes so much when you just can get right into the attack and go right after people. Guess what? He's going to lose the ball a lot. It happens. He's playing against great defenders. Not good defenders, great defenders. You're going to lose the ball. You know who else loses the ball a lot 1v1? Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, and everybody else. Don't take that away from an 18-year-old who's, I think, about to turn 19 in a couple of days. Don't take that away from him. Go at people. And the speed he has and the speed of play, more importantly, is what makes Christian Pulisic so dynamic. He's already the best American player of all time, talent-wise. Now, he's got to go do it. He's got to go have the career that Landon Donovan had, and to a lesser extent, Clint Dempsey. And you know the names. Steve Chirundolo, Eddie Pope, Brad Friedel. Those guys were phenomenal. He's still got to go have those career, that career, but he's the most talented player. And that's part of the reason why. Go attack. Man City, speaking of attacking, went out and destroyed Feyenoord on the road. And lest you say, well, it's Feyenoord. You're on the road in the Champions League. You win 4-0. That is impressive. I love what Pep Guardiola is building with this Man City side. Gabriel Jesus, great signing. I mean, David Silva is so good. Sergio Aguero is just so – he's just. there's no superlatives that are fine enough for him. He is right on that – just that cut below – Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. And you know the cut I'm talking about, right? Those two are so far above everybody else. It's like LeBron James times five. Because LeBron is just so far above everybody else in the NBA. And then there's Kevin Durant. And then there's a cut below Kevin Durant. You know what I'm saying? Sergio Aguero's on that cut below, but he is right up there. He is so good. And Man City are really starting to find themselves under Guardiola now in his second season. 
Do you like Manchester United and Jose Altador or Jose Jose Altador? Jose Mourinho? <laughs> Freudian slip. I wish Altador was playing there. Yeah, yeah, I, w- I would say you like Mourinho if you're a Man United fan. 3-0 over Basel and Romelu Lukaku. Holy cow, what can't this dude do? All he does is score goals. For all the beefs people have with Lukaku, I don't know, I don't know how you can. Oh, he doesn't do this. He doesn't pass. He doesn't, you know, he's just kind of one dimension. No! He puts the ball in the back of the net in a lot of different ways. That's all that matters. Chelsea destroys Karabakh. And I'll let, lest you say again, oh, Azerbaijan's first team in the Champions League, Karabakh stink. No, they don't. No, they don't. They got overrun by Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Really, really brave and good performances out of the Premier League teams that I saw, the ones that I watched. Seriously, I mean, really good. There's some other good teams in the in the Champions League. I'm not sitting here ready to tell you that a Premier League side is going to win it. No. Did you see PSG? Holy cow, against Celtic. 5-0, and it looked like they were just toying with Celtic. PSG loaded up front. I mean, Cavani, Neymar, killing Mbappe. Holy cow, they all score. I mean, it's sick, the embarrassment of riches there. Uh, Barcelona, yeah, 3-0 over Juventus. Guess who? Messi, two goals. Real Madrid, 3-0 over Apoel. Guess who? Cristiano Ronaldo, not to be outdone, two goals. The same as Messi. I mean, what a first match day, really. And, you know, Barcelona needed that. That's against Juve. You can point to others. Well, look, they played this team. They're kind of weaker. Well, that's that's the team that's going to be the No, they played Juventus and beat them 3-0. Like Juventus was standing still. Couple of interesting results, though, to keep your eye on. And if you've got some interesting stuff from from watching the Champions League, feel free to tweet at me at Talk Soccer. Couple of really interesting games. Shakhtar Donetsk beats Napoli two one. Nice win. Nice win for Donetsk. And CSKA goes on the road to Portugal, which is a tricky place to go in Benfica, and they beat Benfica two one. That was a nice win for CSKA Moscow. Unless you think those teams are. Well, it's Shakhtar, it's CSK. Uh, they are loaded. Those teams have talent, and especially offensive talent. Keep an eye on for them. Those were nice victories. And I really like what I saw on the Champions League match day one. Very good football, no doubt. But I'm going to surprise you here. There's a team that I really believe belongs in the UEFA Champions League talent-wise. They are that good. Yes, you heard me. Are you ready? The UEFA Champions League, not CONCACAF Champions League. Toronto FC is Champions League worthy right now. The way they're playing. And MLS right now is, it is the Eastern Conference and then no, but remember for a few years we were like, well, they, maybe they need to realign because the West is so dominant. This stuff is cyclical. And everybody was panicking like the Western Conference was going to dominate somehow in MLS for 20 years. When you have a salary cap league, that doesn't happen. The East is the strong conference now. All deference to Vancouver, by the way, who are first in the West. And Jordi Reyna has really kind of helped. That team is deep, too. Vancouver. Man, I'll tell you what. Canada is taking over MLS right now. <laughs> and they are. Vancouver is looking really good, really solid. Now, the West, again, is a little more up in the air, though. So... You can't discount any of Sporting KC, Portland. I don't love Portland, but they're okay. And Seattle knows how to win. 
they're just kind of biding their time again like they did last season. But the East is where it's at. And Toronto FC is Champions League worthy. And no, I'm not talking that they can go out there and dominate or beat Barcelona or Real Madrid. No. But would they lose 6-0? No. Of course not. Toronto FC is deep. They put pressure on you from all over the pitch offensively, which cannot be minimized. And that leads to set pieces where Jovinko is just a beast. And now they know they're good. That's what's changed about Toronto FC. They know they're good. They don't think it. They know it. Much like what the U.S. men's national team should start feeling. Don't think that you're pretty good or could be. Know it. And Toronto FC does. A goal difference of plus 33. They've scored 59 goals. I looked up Atlanta United stats, who, by the way, are the third best team in MLS behind Toronto FC and New York City FC in the East. And I thought Atlanta United, 54 goals after beating New England last night. Did you see that game? 7-0. 54 goals for an expansion team. Hey, LAFC, you got your work cut out for you. Atlanta United don't win games on Instagram. They go out and win them on the pitch. And their new Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which looks unbelievably filled. They're expecting 71,000 at their next game. They put they put a touchdown on the page. I mean, the revolution. 7-0. Miguel Almiron, 8 goals, 12 assists. Hector Vialba, 6 goals, 11 goals, 6 assists. Josef Martinez, 13 goals. He's played 13 games. He's only started 10. You heard those stats right. Yamil Assad, great midfielder. 4 goals, 10 assists. And guess who's running it? Tata Martino. They got a coach. They got talent and they got a coach for an expansion team. Now, are they going to win MLS Cup? Probably not. They still got to struggle and make sure they get there. Now, it looks like they're looking good, believe me. But what a story. Plus 22 goal difference. They're the second best goal difference in MLS. Far better than anybody in the West. And goal difference makes a difference. It's something to keep an eye on when a season drags on and you don't have like a perfect schedule like MLS. Look for goal difference. Toronto FC, plus 33. Atlanta United, plus 22. Holy cow. LA Galaxy, minus whatever. I don't even remember, but that's all right, though. Galaxy got a draw. We're, we haven't lost in two straight. That's my MLS update for the Galaxy. We are unbeaten in two straight. <laughs> Soccer Weekly with Dave Dunham brought to you by Puente Hills Toyota. Check out your new 2017 Toyota Camry LA and get it there at Puente Hills Toyota, PuenteHillsToyota.com. I'm Dave Dunham. We have stoppage time still to come. So much more. This is Soccer Weekly on the home of world football in Southern California. ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm hanging out with you on a special Thursday edition. So if you're just if you're on the 405 and you're like, holy cow, they're talking the beautiful game and I'm loving it. Well, we're normally Wednesday here on ESPN LA 710 from 7 to 8 p.m. Pacific time. And we really appreciate you joining us. And look, we've got the greatest soccer fans in the world right here. This is one of the best soccer markets on the planet. And it's no coincidence that ESPN LA 710 has decided to cater to you with this show. Brought to you by Puente Hills Toyota. Get your new 2017 Toyota Camry LE at Puente Hills Toyota. PuenteHillsToyota.com. Check them out and tell them I sent you. And look, you can go to the uh, iTunes, grab it there, the podcast. If you missed the show or missed pieces of it, we had Kevin Hartman, Galaxy Legend, on earlier. If you missed something, go check the podcast out. Just uh, go to iTunes and search Soccer Weekly 
Subscribe, rate, and review, and I can take it. I promise. If you don't like the show, it's fine. I get it. I may not be your cup of tea. You want to give me a straight red? That's your opportunity. (laughs) So, look, talking Major League Soccer with Toronto FC, Champions League worthy, and I don't mean CONCACAF Champions League, although I do hope to see them there. Atlanta United has been unbelievable as an expansion side. Minnesota United looks like an expansion team. Atlanta United does not. And that's no deference to Minnesota. They've had some moments. They'll be fine. They're finding their way. It's tough. But Atlanta United, amazingly, has made it look easy. And it's putting pressure on LAFC. They don't want to buy it. LAFC won't tell you that. But it is. And it's putting pressure on Minnesota United. When you're around an expansion that close to other teams, forget about it. Joining me now for one of the favorite, it's our favorite time, really. Mario, what time is it? It is stoppage time here. A little extended version. We had a few injuries earlier, so we got some extended stoppage time on this one with the great producer Mario Rees. Mario, welcome to stoppage time, baby. All right, Dave. Uh, A soccer referee nearly got burned, literally, while doing his job in a Champions League match between Marabor and Spartak Moscow. The craziness started before the match when fans flocked to the streets and began rioting. And the tension didn't wane during the match, though, uh, when fans in the stands somehow managed to begin shooting off flares. And one of them made its way on its way to the pitch and nearly hit referee Denis Aitakitin. How do, you spell, how do you say his last name? Denny's Itekin. Itekin. Yeah, he's a great German ref. Yeah, I saw the incident. Uh-huh. And it's not it wasn't pretty. Look, I mean, thankfully yeah, nobody, cool. you know, nobody was hurt, right? I mean, thankfully it missed. Right. You know, but you can't have that. I mean, come on. This is And look, I don't know if it was intentional. I don't know that they were intentionally going after the referee. He wasn't it wasn't as though the referee was like down at that end of the goal. If I looked at the video correctly, it was yeah. from kind of behind the goal area. Uh-huh. Not right behind the goal, but shot it towards midfield. Now, the referee was right there. Yeah. But I don't know that they were intentionally trying to hit the referee specifically even. I doubt it. How are you going to have that grade of with accuracy flare? with the flare? I mean, come, come on. on. Those things, that's the danger of those, right? It's like, that's the danger of fireworks. They don't go where you want them to most exactly. of the time. And they're going to blow your fingers off. So, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying that, like, it was intentional towards the ref, but it did end up very close to him and some other players, too. I mean, it's just, come on. There's no excuse for it. No room for that. I assume, and I could be wrong, but I assume UEFA will now make that team play behind closed doors their next match in, in all likelihood. I think. I, I think they should. No fans at that next Champions yeah. League match. I got no problem with that. Yeah, I, and, and we have seen that before. That's not like a complete rarity. That's the least they should be penalized. Right. All right, Dave, Real Madrid's latest sensation, Marco Asensio. He did not play in the Champions League on Tuesday. He is two. good, too, by Oh, the way. sick. He Love is. Love that dude. He's one of my favorite uh, favorite guys uh, in soccer right now. He didn't play on Tuesday, though, due to a pimple. What? That's right, Dave, a pimple. Uh, Asensio had a pimple that prevented him from pulling up his socks. Is this the oddest uh, sports injury you've ever heard of? Uh, yeah, that's pretty bad. I got to admit, there's been some weird ones where, you know, guys – 
sneeze and hurt their back, but that happens. The yeah. older you get, that happens more. Yeah. Or, you know, they actually there have been issues where guys have hurt their backs by pulling up their socks, uh-huh. amazingly enough. And, you know, you hear the stories, Mario. For one thing, if you're a professional athlete, stay away from the kitchen and knives. Apparently, no professional athlete knows how to cut a cucumber or something. Yeah. You know, they always seem, and I don't know what's going on in these kitchens, but they always seem to slice themselves badly when they're, you know, preparing a mixed salad or some yeah. kind of, you know, ambrosia or something. Just stay away from the kitchens, dudes. You guys make a fortune. Just hire a chef, right? A personal chef. I remember a soccer player who dropped his uh, shaving cream on his foot. Oh, the can. Yeah, the shaving. Yeah, the can. Oh, well, that could, yeah. That's got to hurt. Dude, I've dropped stuff like that on my foot. (laughs) Come on, I wouldn't miss a game for that. And I certainly wouldn't miss a game for a pimple. I mean, the only way I'd miss a game for a pimple is if it had so festered or gotten so... I guess, infected, that the infection was shooting up towards my heart. And maybe I would die in the game, you know what I mean, if I didn't get better. That's the only way. Like, come on. A pimple? Pop it and go. Let's, I mean, come on. I, I'd at least come up with a lie and say some bigger injury like my leg. You know? Well, let's put it this way. If the lie is that you had a pimple, holy cow, that's a bad lie, right? Oh. I mean, that's, oh, that yeah. has to be. be onto something. That has to be true, though. <laughs> Right? You're not lying about having a pimple keeping you out of a game. So, Dave, it's that time of year again when gamers go crazy over the latest edition of EA Sports FIFA video game. Yeah. EA Sports has released their official player ratings for FIFA 18, and Cristiano Ronaldo with a 94 rating is once again the top-rated player over Messi, who was rated 93. But, Dave, who is the top-rated player in MLS? Well, I would say... And I don't know. I do know who I would pick the top two, and I even heard who the top two were, but they would have been my top two. I don't know who's number one. So I'll take a. I would say it's Jovinko for me would be number one. And then David David Villa. They're one and two, though. It doesn't really matter. And I I can look it up. I don't even care. It doesn't matter because they're one and two. They're like one and one A. How can you choose between them with the seasons they're having and the past couple of seasons they've had? Mario, they're just too good. I mean, now, granted, I think a guy like Roman Alessandrini is very, you know, very talented and could be as high as three or four in the league, really, in terms of overall talent. But I don't know how FIFA would rank him based on the season the Galaxy have had. Did you see that the Galaxy got... I don't know, some honor of, like, Alex, some some fake dude that's on Alex the FIFA Hunter? game. Alex, yeah. what? I'm too old for this, Mario, but what is yeah. that? They got, like, that's pretty big. Yeah, that's pretty big. What happened with that? You have the option of uh, choosing the Galaxy as your team when you're Alex Hunter. It's kind of like a, a career mode kind of sort so of thing. So you're like a guy who's in the game. Yeah, Alex Hunter. Okay, which is FIFA a, has made up, the, or EAA Sports has made up this Alex Hunter guy. Yeah, and he's a pretty popular dude now. Okay. A lot of, a lot of people in soccer know who this guy is. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, he had the option of uh, playing on the LA Galaxy along with all the other big teams around the world. Oh. Yeah, so they consider Galaxy, you know. As probably the biggest team in MLS. See, but that right got me so. thinking because that's interesting. And I, I thought that's what it was, yeah. obviously, when you read the press releases and stuff. But it got me thinking, Mario, that the LA Galaxy really are one of the biggest teams in the world. And I know we're struggling. Believe me. I mean, who's been t- talking to them, you know, talking about that more than us, right? I mean, yeah. we make no bones about it. We had Chris Klein out of here and grilled them. And we're not afraid to say the Galaxy are terrible. They're my favorite team in the world. Across and they're the awful. Road, I think, yeah, they do, they do believe Galaxy is the best team, the b- best organization in that, MLS. Exactly. They're yeah. the biggest team, yeah. certainly in MLS, and still are. But they're a super, like, world-level club. And I really believe that. Uh, Mario, and, I, and that hasn't changed. It, look, it could change if you're bad for 15 years and LAFC is pretty good here in LA. You know, there is a danger of that. But 
there's no doubt. And I'll tell you why. I watch these, you know, Champions League, Europa League, and you hear rumors about guys making moves, right? And for a long time, it wouldn't have struck the ear weird if some really, really good player was like, well, they're considering going to, you know, Man City, PSG or the Galaxy, you know, and nobody <laughs> thinks like, oh, okay, that's that seems absurd, you know, like of course he's not going to the Galaxy. Well, wait a minute, maybe he is, right? You know, that's that's where you, and it doesn't always happen, of course. You know, these now here's the thing, Mario, with these transfer fees getting so ridiculous, this is hurting. This is going to hurt MLS, and I'm not saying they were going to get Neymar anyway, but the the wind, the, the it, how much you need to spend on guys now has flown through the roof because of Europe. And I don't know what it, I don't know what the repercussions are in the next three to five years, but it's still interesting that some dude in a game that everybody knows named Alex Hunter plays for the LA Galaxy. So yeah, nothing wrong with That's that. An honor for the Galaxy, I like that. <laughs> I like when I saw that. Stop it, time. All right, Dave, what's up with this this uh, FIFA story I saw earlier about changing the World Cup seeding? Yeah, it's uh, you know for a long time the the top eight teams were seeded. So, obviously, they would get put in the pot, and then they couldn't play against each other, obviously. Based on the FIFA rankings, you know, they put the top eight teams. Uh Now they're going to do it based on FIFA rankings for each pot. In other words, before, they would put, well, pot one is all the top, you know, as uh, if they qualified, which most of them, of course, did. The top eight, essentially, in the FIFA rankings. Pot two would be, well, all the rest of Europe or most of Europe. And then pot three would be the rest of Europe and, say, CONCACAF, so they couldn't you know, be in the same pot. Now it's all by ranking. Okay. Meaning the U.S. and Mexico could be in a different pot. But here's the thing. They won't play each other in the group stage still. Don't panic. If you're in CONCACAF, you cannot play someone else in CONCACAF in the same group in the World Cup. Now, Europe, you can because there's just too many European teams. So they can – the danger of it is, based on a a projection I saw, you could literally, Mario, have a group with, like, Spain and France in the same group. Wow. You know, because they're separated in pots because of the rankings right now. Or you could have, like, Italy and Spain in the same. Now, that happens sometimes because these European. But, like, there's this year's, if you go check the FIFA rankings, there's some scary potential for some serious super, like, groups of death. <laughs> like, it is crazy, Mario. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting, though. But it, they're definitely going to do it that way. And I don't hate it. I think it's a good idea. You know what's a good idea is listening to Soccer Weekly. With Mario Rees on the as a producer and me, Dave Denholm is the host here. Each and every Wednesday, remember this has been a special Thursday edition, but every Wednesday from seven to eight PM here on Southern California's home for World Football, ESPN LA seven ten. Want to thank Mario Rees. Thanks so much to Jorge and uh, and uh, obviously Puente Hills Toyota. Check them out, PuenteHillsToyota.com. They have been a sponsor from us for day one here from season two. We really appreciate that. Don't forget, you can check out the podcast on iTunes. And, uh, just search Soccer Weekly. I'm Dave Dathome. You are listening to the home of world football, ESPN LA 710.